It's wonderful again to be here in person and I must say I'm looking forward to next week and that celebration. We haven't been able to do something like that for so long so I hope you can come, bring your friends and family. It's going to be a great time. We've been looking at a series called Following Jesus. And to be a disciple of Jesus, that is to be, uh, to be Christ learners, means to listen to the voice of Jesus in our lives. Be it a life that is frightfully frantic or painfully pointless, his voice calls out to us and it invites us to walk by his side. It's a voice that calls us to forgiveness. It's a voice that calls us to life everlasting. So my prayer for you today, for us as his people, if you're, if you're watching, listening online, my prayer for you is that you'll be sensitive to the still small voice of God in your life. Especially in the midst of a very noisy and deafening world, I pray that you will be sensitive to his still small voice as his spirit calls out and invites you to walk with him. As we read in scripture, we see many times that Jesus invites and calls out to those who would listen. And it's the same spirit of God that calls us and calls out to us here this morning. And so we continue to focus on following Jesus by paying attention to a number of invitations that he gives in the Gospels. And today, the call is this, follow me, says Jesus. Now, there are moments in life that change everything. I want you to think for a moment. Have, have there been days or moments in your own life where nothing would be the same from that moment forward? It can be different things. It can be people that you meet, situations both good, bad. It can also be God moments in your life where he, where he speaks into a situation and it just changes the way you see something and, and you forever will never be the same. I can remember meeting Beck for the very first time. I was at Narry Warren Baptist Church, youth, young adults pastor there at the time, and it was actually before one of their night services. I was getting ready, cleaning up, I was actually vacuuming and, and getting a few things ready. Um, and I was so caught up in my mind, and I kid you not, this is the argument that was going on in my mind. I'm like, Lord, I have given up trying to find someone. It looks like I'll be celibate for the rest of my life. I'm done. Did someone say praise the Lord? <laughs> There's a good marriage course, I know, I can pass on to Gerald. Anyway, I was having this argument and honestly, I had come to this point where I'm like, that is it. Friends and family had tried setting me up for far too long. I was frustrated, I was annoyed and in my mind in this moment, I'm, I'm vacuuming, vacuuming the foyer at the front of the church, um, <laughs> having this argument on my head. That's it, I'm single for the rest of my days and Beth walked in. I kid you not. And I looked up and I just went, hello. <laughs> In my mind, all right, just put it out there. I'm like, oh, hello. <laughs> and then I'm like, no, no, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm done, I am done. And, and of course then went and said hello <laughs> In a quietly different form. I didn't quite say hello. I just went, hello, welcome here. And um, I didn't know it at that point in time, but this person would forever change my life and my life has never been the same. I also remember bringing the, our two boys home from hospital 
And if you're a parent and you, and you, you bring that child home for the first time, and especially remember with Noah, uh, leaving that hospital with this child, thinking, what do we do now? I mean, at school they give you a, a pen licence. You have to get a licence to write with a pen and yet the hospital just gives you this life and says, go for it. Go, you know, it's on you now. No licence, nothing. And I can remember driving home really excited but really, really scared all at the same time. And life would never be the same. I can remember a time uh, studying in university at the time at RMIT in the city. I mean, I'd been studying for a number of years and I had a moment on the train where I was sitting there and I was studying landscape architecture at the time. And I had this moment where I felt God impress something on my heart along the lines of, Wally, you can pursue your studies and, and you can build, design things for the rest of your days. Or you can build into people. And it, was a, it was a moment for me that God just pointed his finger on my heart and said, I have something for you. Are you going to follow? Are you willing to follow that path? And then it was in that moment on that train saying, yes, oh, I'm going to give my life to serving God, whatever that might look like to impact eternity. That moment changed my life. We have moments, don't we? That completely change everything. Now, the disciples of whom we will now read were about to have one of these moments. They woke up in the morning and it was a normal day. They woke up, they would have had breakfast as normal, they would have gone on uh, with their, their lives. The disciples of whom we're about to read were actually fishermen and, and they were actually out at night fishing. They, they were just doing what they do. It was a normal day for them. But by the end of this day, they would look back and say, wow, today has changed everything. I'd like to read from Luke chapter 5. I'd like you to join me and, and try enter in. Try enter into this story. Try to imagine what they're seeing, the, the smells may be. Try to place yourself in the midst of this scene. Because we read from Luke chapter 5, 1 to 11. And open your Bibles as well if you can. I'll have it here, but it's more helpful if you have it there open too. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and we didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realised what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me, I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish that had, they had caught, as were others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. 
Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. What an amazing story. Can you picture it? Are you you there? We love a good story, don't we? And what is more, we love a good fishing story. And here's a fishing story to be told. (laughs) We see here early in Jesus' ministry, if you've got your Bibles, and this is where this helps, if you flick back a page, you'll notice that Jesus is very early on in his ministry. He's just begun. He's recently been baptised. He's gone. He's been tempted. He's been rejected by a number of people after saying and declaring some things about who he is. They really want to kill him. He casts out demons. He heals many people. In his short time, he's done a few things, but it's, it's very early on in the midst of his ministry. And people are starting to hear about him. People are starting to hear that here is Jesus, a man who, who can cast out demons, who can heal the sick. And when he teaches, wow, do you hear the words and the wisdom that comes from this man? Or is he a man? And so people flood, people come from near and far to hear him, to hear him teach. And so here he is, Jesus, preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And we read that the crowds press around him. And it seems that there, there, there are so many people that he gets into a boat and pushes off the shore a little because they're pressing in so much. So gives himself a little bit more room. And then he continues teaching them from this boat as he speaks out onto the shore. Would have created a natural amphitheater too as he's speaking out to them. And they're listening intently. And then he finishes his teaching and turns to some fishermen. And he says, why don't don't you go out and, and go fishing again? And don't you love their response? But we've been fishing all night. We've been doing that all, that's what we've been doing the whole night. We've actually just been having a rest. It's what we spent our whole night doing without success. But, okay, because you say it, I'll, we'll go, we'll go and we'll, we'll put our nets out again. And so they go out and they throw their nets out. And this time there are so many fish that it fills their boats. Some translations say their boats are so full that they're almost sinking. They're so full that they can't contain it in their own boat. They have to call other boats around and to put the fish in their boats too. Now, I've been fishing a number of times in my life and that has never happened to me. I will just say that. Even on the most successful of fishing trips, it is very rare to have that many fish. The closest thing that came about to this was once canoeing on a river And a swarm of fish came past and they were sort of jumping in and out of the water. And one or two fell in the canoe. I mean, that was the best fishing trip ever. (laughs) I wasn't even planning on fishing. But even then, maybe one or two by accident. But for the boat to be completely filled to the point of sinking and others too, an absolute miracle is being portrayed right here in their midst. But I love their response, firstly. Don't you love the response? We read we have Simon Peter here, we have James and John, two brothers, and and Simon is the one who responds and says, but we've been fishing all night. Pause for a moment. So Jesus has been healing people. 
he's been casting out demons. For Simon, he's struggling to believe that anything different would happen from what happened that night when they were out on their own. And so his, his first response is, but we've been trying so hard. We've, we were fishing all night. Lord, can't you see? We are so often limited by our lack of faith, aren't we? Like Simon, we often do the same thing. Yes, Lord, you've asked me to do this. You've called me to go here. You want me to do this. But Lord, I've tried that already. I've tried that in my own strength. I've tried that in my own power. We often, so go, we often automatically go back to our own logic. And when we read this, we're challenged to realise that God is far bigger and far more abundant than we can imagine. We go back to our own strength and our own efforts time and time again. What's also fascinating about this story is that we read that these same disciples, Simon, Peter, James and John, the two brothers... Later on, as recorded in John chapter 21, after Jesus has died, so this is well after they've spent years with Jesus, they've seen him do these amazing things. As they've spent time with him after he's died and also resurrected, do you know where we find these disciples? Back in their boat fishing. I find that fascinating. Even after all they've seen, they go back to what they're used to. They go back to their old habits. We read in John 21 that Jesus is walking along and he sees these fishermen out in the boat and again he tells them to cast out their nets and again the same miracle occurs and they realise only Jesus can do this. That's Jesus and they go back and they actually share breakfast with Jesus in that occasion. But they go back, it's fascinating, to what's natural. Because we never do that in our own lives, do we? <laughs> we do, isn't it? don't we? It's part of our human nature. We can, we can even see God do wonderful, maybe miraculous things in our life and we can fall back to those same habits, those same patterns, back to our own strength. I guess there's the encouragement here and a challenge for us to trust God, to not rely on our own logic so quickly, but to rely on him. And as these disciples do, as they rely on Jesus' words, we we see this amazing miracle, don't we? We see their boats full of fish. Sure, they went back to their friends. It was this big. (laughs) Probably not lying. (laughs) But because of their response, we see this amazing revelation. We see this request, of course, from Jesus. We see their response, but... In the midst of this, we see a revelation about who Jesus is. And this is important. This story is about who Jesus is. It reveals to us something about him. And firstly, it reveals this, that he is the Messiah, the King, the one that they have been waiting for. They've been waiting for a Messiah to come and to save them. And here he is, the long-awaited Messiah. He now stands before them and he's come with power. You see, after witnessing this event... They knew without a shadow of a doubt who was standing before them. They had no doubt. We also see this. It's not only about Jesus who is the promised Messiah, the King. It's also about his kingdom. 
We learn this, that God's kingdom, Jesus' kingdom is abundant and beyond our expectations. The fish that they get, it's not just what they need, it's actually beyond what they need. It's extravagant. It's not just for the disciples. Maybe the whole crowd is witnessing this and they all go home with fish. There's room and providence for all people. It's enough for the disciples, enough for the crowds. And reminds me of the, uh, another story in Scripture where Jesus is given five loaves and two fishes. Do you know the tale? Another crowd is there uh, listening to Jesus teach and it's getting late. They need food. Jesus tells his disciples, go and bring me some food. They come back with five loaves and two fishes. We're told there's thousands upon thousands of people there and yet Jesus does this miraculous sign and, and feeds them all from this meagre offering. Not only that, he doesn't just feed them. There are 12 baskets full of leftovers. Everyone went home with a leftover pack. Why did Jesus do that? Why so much more? We're learning about who Jesus is, about his kingdom. This is an abundant, extravagant kingdom. There's providence for all. And that's why the disciples react especially Simon here, in the way that they do. Simon responds with these words, and they seem odd at first. I am a sinner, is his response. Sorry, Lord, in our language, sorry, Lord, for not trusting you. Sorry for holding on to just my own strength, my own wisdom. Lord, I come before you and I acknowledge who you are, and I also recognize who I am before you. Sorry, Lord, for doubting your ways. They're awestruck by Jesus, by what he has done. They're awestruck by him and the amount of fish that are there. It's in the midst of this scene that Jesus calls out to them. He says, you will no longer just fish for fish. You will be fishers of people. And in Mark chapter 1, verse 17, the same telling of this story, it's a much shorter telling Jesus calls out to them and says, come, follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. This is the call of Jesus to the disciples, come and follow me. So what do they do with this call? See, Jesus calls out to them, he calls to us, follow me, be my disciple, walk after me, walk in my footsteps, walk beside me. We notice this in the midst of this story, which we can unpack for our own journeys. Firstly, Jesus calls out to these disciples. He invites these lowly fishermen. Jesus' call is for all people. Maybe something we've heard before, but in this context, it was was life-changing. This was a complete break from tradition up to this point in time and completely unheard of. Jesus himself was already being called a teacher and and a rabbi. And there there were other teachers. It was common for there to be teachers and for them to have disciples who would follow after them. But rabbis, they wanted to make sure that the disciples who followed them would make them look good. (laughs) 
And so they had very strict prerequisites. You had to have great knowledge of the Torah, the, the, the first five books of the Old Testament, to the point that you had to have learnt the Old Testament by heart. Like the prerequisites were very, very strict, very, very high. And so to be a disciple, to follow in someone's footsteps as a rabbi, that meant you were part of a very exclusive club. It wasn't an easy thing to do. And so most people would simply end up in their family trade, and which is what we see. These fishermen most likely learnt this trade from their fathers, their, their families before them. And these trades would be passed on from family to family to family. And for many people in these trades, it would just be a dream. It would be unheard of to say that I could be a disciple to follow in the footsteps of a rabbi, let alone Jesus Christ. But Jesus calls these fishermen. If you read a little further, you've got your Bibles there and you flick to Luke 5.27. Just to make sure we understand this, Jesus invites a tax collector. He walks up to Levi who's sitting at a tax collector's booth and says, follow me and be my disciple. And we read, he got up, he left everything and he followed Jesus. One of the most despised professions you could possibly imagine. They were known as traitors, collecting money from the, for the Romans, from their own people. Despised, hated. Jesus calls a tax collector to be his disciples. To the point that if you read Luke 5... He's having a meal with them and and the Pharisees and the religious leaders come and start saying, why are you eating with sinners? Why would you even sit with people like this? These are the very people that Jesus calls out to and says, follow me, be my disciple. Jesus invites nobodies. He invites his invitation to anyone who would follow him and the crowds would have been amazed. Some would have shook their heads. Some would have been intrigued. Some would have entertained the idea of following, and many did. So for us today is this reminder that Jesus invites us all. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter what you've done. You might be here, you might be hearing this thinking, well, I can't follow Jesus. See what my life looks like. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to follow Jesus. I don't know enough about him. We often dismiss it, don't we? I'm, I'm not ready, I'm not in that place, or how could, how could I? Well, Jesus follows you. Jesus invites you to follow him. Jesus calls out, it doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, he calls out and simply says, follow me. Follow me. This call is a call to leave everything behind. Yes, it's for all people, but it's everything. Now, last week we opened this, this series with that invitation that Jesus gives to come and to see. Just come and see, come and be with me, dwell with me, see and experience who I am. His first invitation is an invitation to simply come and to see Jesus for who he is. And we know that as we looked at last week, that as some disciples came and as they sat with him, they left declaring, surely this is Jesus. Surely this is the Son of God. It's a natural response. Here today, again, what we see Simon falling to his knees saying, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm a sinner. He's, he's recognizing that this is Jesus. This is the Son of God. 
You see, it's, it's, it's natural when we spend time with Jesus to see him for who he is. But then there's a time where we need to make a decision. Even though we might call out and declare him for who he is, there's a, a point where we need to make a choice. What will I do with that truth? will I do? Because there's a moment we need to make a decision. There's a line in the sand that we all need to cross and it's to respond to this invitation to follow me. It's an intentional response to say, I'm leaving everything behind and I'm following Jesus, following you. We read that these fishermen They left everything and followed Jesus. We see the tax collector Levi steps, stands up, starts to walk, leaving everything behind. They made the choice to follow him and simply declare who he was. They chose to follow him with everything they had. We even read in James 2.19, we read these words, You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? These are powerful words. Even the demons declare that Jesus is who he is, but they do not follow him. There's a vast difference between simply stating and choosing to follow. And that is the invitation today. For there is a decisive point where we choose to follow him, to leave everything behind. And now you might say, what does that mean, leave everything behind? Because it's, it's different now, isn't it? We don't literally walk out of our fishing boats and follow Jesus. But we do make the intentional choice to say, Jesus, I put you first. And wherever you call, whatever you ask me to do, whatever you would call of me, I will do it. And it may mean leaving your profession. It may mean going to the ends of the earth to share the good news of Jesus. It may mean walking next door and sharing the good news of Jesus with your neighbour. But in all situations, it simply means this, Jesus, I'm following you and whatever you ask of me, I'll do it. Nothing, nothing in my life will hinder me from listening to and following you. This is the invitation of Jesus, to leave everything behind Our past way of being, our past way of thinking, our past way of responding. It's an invitation to follow Jesus into a new way of being. Jesus is saying, come, follow me, your king. Come follow me and I'm going to bring in a new kingdom, one that's far greater than you can possibly imagine, far more abundant than you can imagine. Come and be a part of what I am doing in this world. And this is how it finishes as we come to the end of this story. Because he calls them to follow him. He calls them to put him first in everything. But why? To be a part of his plan. Yes, he's calling them to follow him. But what for? To what end? For what purpose? Why? He is calling them to be a part of something far greater than themselves. You see, they once fished for themselves to feed their families, to to earn an income, 
to take care of their loved ones, to take care of their own. But Jesus is saying, I've got something so much greater for you, far greater than simply caring for your own needs and those around you. You're going to change the world. You're going to usher people. You're going to invite people into my kingdom. He calls them to be something, be a part of something far greater than they could possibly ever imagine. His invitation is an invitation to be a part of his story, a part of his mission. And these disciples would go and they would spend three years with Jesus, observing him, watching him, soaking up all the things he said and did. And when he leaves, he would call his disciples to his side and he would say this, go now and make disciples of all nations. We know those words, those famous words, the great commission. But remember, this was not a new call. Right from the beginning when he had called these disciples, he had told them, I'm calling you to be part of something far greater. I'm going to call you to go and to share my good news. It's part of the very original call and he reminds them of that as he sends them. And they go empowered by the Holy Spirit. And it often makes me wonder, well, what would they do? Because Jesus now gives them the Holy Spirit. He leaves. How would they have gone about this? Well, they would have simply done what Jesus had done. Everything they had seen him do, they would have gone and done it too. He had shaped them and shown them how to live as his people. We even read in John 14:26 that when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. Interesting words. The Holy Spirit had been promised to empower these disciples as they would go. And the Holy Spirit's job was to remind them what Jesus had taught them. To remind them what they had seen. So they would go. They would go living a life that they had seen modelled by Jesus Christ. So you and I are called to something far greater than ourselves. Jesus invites us to follow him, to leave everything behind, but to be a part of his plan, to be a part of his story. His story is far bigger than simply my comforts, your comforts. He offers forgiveness and love and grace for us, which is wonderful, but he offers it to the whole world. There's enough fish for everybody in abundance. He's providing for the whole world and we get to be a part of that story. We get to go and to share what Jesus has done in our life. So Jesus calls out to us, Jesus calls out to you, will you follow me? And if you're here today, you may have followed Jesus for 73 years. We discovered someone last week. You know, that call is still the same call. Will you follow me today? Will you follow me? Maybe you've never made that decision Maybe you've never made that intentional step to say, Jesus, I believe who you are. But maybe you've never made that step to say, so I will follow. Leaving everything behind. Going wherever you may call. Listening to whatever you may ask. Jesus, I'm following you. To be a part of your story. One that's far greater than my own to be a part of something far bigger than myself. 
And so today, will you accept his invitation? Will you accept his invitation to follow me? I'd like to pose another question too as we pray. As you go today, a simple question. What, if anything, is Jesus calling you to leave behind? As you follow him, are you holding on to things that you need to let go of? Has he been calling you to do something but you're just not listening? What's he calling from you to leave behind in the midst of your walk with him? I'm going to pray to just give us a moment to sit and allow the Holy Spirit to come to speak into our own stories. I want to remind you that God is here, His Holy Spirit is here. If we just pause for a moment and to listen to that still small voice. And so even in this moment, Father, we ask and pray that you may speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray for each person now as we sit here in this stillness that we will be very aware of your presence in this place and in our lives right now. Father, we hear your invitation, your call to follow you. Lord, for those who have already answered to that call, who've made that decision, Father, I thank you for them. I pray now that you will give them all that they need to continue to walk for you, Father. But Lord, maybe there are things in their life that you are calling them to set aside. Maybe there are things that you're calling them to. Father, I pray that you make that very clear right here, right now. I pray that you may impress it on their hearts, on our hearts, so that we may respond to you. If you're sitting here today and God has shown very clearly a situation or or something, I don't know what it might be, maybe a person, maybe possessions of sorts, habits maybe, things that don't please him, things that you know are getting in in the way of your relationship with him, things that are holding you back from fully living for him, I pray that right now you would simply say in the depths of your heart, Father, forgive me for I am a sinner like Simon. You're far greater than I can all that I can imagine. I choose to follow you once more today in this moment afresh Holy Spirit I ask that you will just come upon them afresh very aware of your presence Father give them the strength and all the power they need Lord to live their lives for you for it's not in our strength that we live for you but in yours and I also think of those here who may never have made that choice for the first time and If that's you, if you're here today and you're listening, or if you're listening online, be it today or in 10 years, if you've never made that step, I pray that right now you would hear the invitation of Jesus to follow him. Follow me. He calls to you right now. And I pray that you will make that choice again in the stillness of your spirit, simply say yes Jesus I follow you 
will choose to follow you in my life. Forgive me, Lord, for my sin. I believe that you are the Son of God and I want to live my days for you, leaving everything behind. Help me to live my days for you. Father, I pray again that your presence may just come around each person that has prayed that prayer. May they be very, very aware of your presence in this time. May there be a deep joy and a release, Lord, of the burdens of this world, Father. Lord, just this excitement for this new day. Lord, as we go, we all just want to say thank you that you invite us to be a part of your bigger story, Father. Something so much bigger and greater than ourselves. We thank you that you give us the strength to live our days for you. We look forward to what you will do in us and through us as we walk by your side. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. And all of God's people say, Amen.